Miss Kiki Wow. <laughs> free, free. Thank you for being here. Ah, oh, here we are. It's spring. Spring has come. We're finally here. I was uh, ready for it. I went outside of my house this morning dressed like this, no sweater. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of cold. <laughs> I, I see the sun outside and think, it's time, it's time. I had to go back in and get a sweater. Oh, this year we have our theme that we are doing. It is Awake and Alive, We Thrive. It's our theme for all of 2019. We're going to talk about all the different ways we can be awake and we can be aware and we can thrive for sure. March's theme is Wholehearted Living. And so we're going to be talking about that today and next week, and then April will be here, and we'll have a new, uh, new monthly theme. But today's talk title is Free Yourself. Free Yourself. You know, and we're using this book this month, The Untethered Soul. You know, and I was uh, doing work researching for the talk today, and I came across a um, Super Soul Sunday, an Oprah Super Soul Sunday, where she's talking to the author, Michael Singer, and, and she tells him that this is one of the, the books she keeps on her nightstand. You know, that's one of the ones she keeps on her nightstand. And, and the more and more that I'm reading it, again, I've read it before, it's, uh, there's so much in here. There's so much in here. Uh, you can listen to that Super Soul Sunday on YouTube. It's called uh, Free Yourself from Negative Thoughts. Free Yourself from Negative Thoughts. We're on the uh, part three of the book, which is titled Free Freeing Yourself. And that's where we are, and we'll wrap it up next week. Uh, there was a student who he went to his teacher, his meditation teacher, and he said, my meditation is terrible. My mind is going crazy. My leg hurts. I can't sit still. I don't know what to do. And the teacher said, it will pass. Right? And a couple weeks later, he went to the teacher and said, oh, my gosh, my meditation is so good. My mind is quiet. I'm totally aware. Everything is really great. And the teacher said, it will pass, right? It will pass. Our mind is an interesting thing. Michael Singer says, the mind can be a dangerous place or a great gift. It can be a dangerous place or a great gift. And so uh, a dangerous mind. What does he mean by the dangerous mind? A dangerous place. He calls it a dangerous mind. You know, that is our personal mind, he calls it. That's that judging mind, that complaining mind, that mind that's always thinking, the mind that's looking and rationalizing and, and, and you know, thinking, uh, this is not good enough, or I need to do this, or maybe I need to do this, you know, and it's just never quiet. It's going, going, going. You know, and what he says, and this is very interesting, well, Michael says it is the cause of our suffering this personal mind. But he says the error is that most of us think that we need to change our outsides to fix our insides, right? We're unhappy or unfulfilled or we're thinking life isn't the way that we want it to be and we think if we could just change the things on the outside then I'll be okay. Then I'll be okay, right? Which is not the truth. The truth is that we actually are really concerned with our internal life, what we're really wanting to feel good, okay, okay with, with what is going on inside of us. It really doesn't matter what's going on out there, but we have convinced ourselves and we've learned that that's what it, it takes, you know? Uh, an example is say that we have just ended a relationship, maybe a long-term relationship, and it's ended, and we're feeling very sad, and we're feeling very depressed, and we're feeling very blue, and a friend 
friend calls us and says, hey, look, I'm going to take you on this great vacation. We're going to go to the Caribbean island, and you'll forget all about your troubles. We'll have a wonderful time. Well, you may go, or you may not even want to go. You may say, oh, I'm too sad to go. But if you decide to go, you'll go, and, and maybe temporarily you'll forget about your problems. Maybe you'll feel better, but maybe you'll just be there and be miserable too. But certainly when you come home, you'll still be sad and lonely because nothing has changed on the, outs on the inside. You know, or on the other hand, say uh, you're in love. You're madly in love. You've met your new love. You know, that beginning of love where everything is just wonderful and nothing could go wrong and everything is great. And, and you're, you've applied for a job and you get a call that somebody else got the job. And you're like, well, that's okay. Great. I'm happy for them. Wonderful. Somebody else got a raise. Oh, I'm so happy for them, right? It doesn't matter because our insides are okay. We're in that place of being okay. We're in that place of love. So what happens on the outside doesn't affect us so much. And, uh, you know, he has this quote, Michael Singer, if your mind changes, everything changes. If your mind changes, everything changes. Does that sound familiar? Change your thinking, change your life, right? That's one of the taglines for Science of Mind. We're a Science of Mind Center. Uh, we teach the principles of religious science. And uh, Ernest Holmes was our founder, and his tagline was change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. It's by that shift in that mind. It's by that shift in the mind from that dangerous place to the great gift. Now, what is interesting to me is Ernest studied, you know, all the religions of the world and lots of philosophy and the sciences, and he synthesized. He took what he thought were the important teachings from each one and put them together in what is our philosophy. We're not a religion, per se. We're a philosophy. We're a way of life. We're a teaching. Um, but the more and more that I read and I study, I find these common threads in everything else that we read and study. Michael Singer's book is full of science of mind stuff, but he's a Zen Buddhist, you know, but it's very, very similar. Michael says this, this is a quote from the book. We think that we are supposed to figure out how life should be and then make it that way. Only someone who looks deeper and questions why we need the events of a life to be in a particular way will question this assumption. I mean, how did we come up with the notion that life is not okay just the way it is? Or that it won't be okay the way it will be? Who said that the way life naturally unfolds is not all right? Right? Who said that? You know, in Science of Mind, we call that race consciousness. We, we talk about the ideas that we maybe got from society, that we got from our family of origin, those ideas and those beliefs that have just become what we believe because it's what we were taught. You know, and it's not until we start to change and grow and look for answers that maybe we start looking at some of these beliefs to see if they serve us or not, you know? Uh, the idea like you uh, grow up, you go to school, you get good grades, and then you go to college, and then you graduate, and then uh, you get a job, and that pays good money, and has good benefits, and has a good retirement plan, and then maybe you'll get married, and maybe you'll have children, right? And it goes on and on and on until you retire. That's what life is supposed to look like. Right? Well, what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't look like that at all? Are we going to be okay? Of course we're going to be okay. But it's in letting go of those ideas, of those ideas of the race consciousness. Uh, Michael Singer says, that, you know, what happens is if the plans don't unfold the way that we think they're supposed to, then the mind bullies us. 
right? Our very own mind bullies us. It bullies us by saying, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have the right job. You don't have the right friends. You're not going to the right places. Your house isn't good enough, right? Our mind is, is that dangerous place where it's actually bullying us. Imagine if we could accept life exactly as it is. Could you just imagine that for a moment? What would it be if you just accepted everything in your life as being exactly perfect, exactly perfect? Warts and all, exactly perfect. Now he talks about the beautiful mind, this mind that is a great gift, Michael calls the beautiful mind. So we've got the personal mind and the beautiful mind. And the beautiful mind, he says, is available to everyone. He said he had so many people that come to him and say, oh, yes, but you've studied for years and you've meditated for years and you've done all this work. Of course you can get to this place of the beautiful mind. And he says, no, it's available to every one of us. There's no degree of smartness needed that this place is available to all of us. This is the mind that is not attached, that's not attached to person, places, or things needing to be any particular way. In order for us to be happy, right, that we just are, it's just okay. Everybody gets to do what they want to do. We don't have to arrange it, no matter what the outside looks like, you know. And, and how do we achieve this state of the beautiful mind, you know? I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, for me, my mind was a thing that I didn't know that drove me crazy. You know, I didn't know that my mind was the problem. I really did believe it was all the stuff out there. It was my teachers, it was the religion I was raised in, it was uh, the society, it was the fact that I was a woman in this male-dominated world. I mean, I had excuses for everything. I blamed everyone and everything and never once did I take a look to see that it might be something within me. You know, my mind was going 24-7. I mean, it was this crazy hamster cage. You know, the monkey mind that they talked about a couple of weeks ago. It was just going, going, going. And then I started practicing these principles, and I started meditating more, and I started to learn ways to, to quiet my mind. You know, and I didn't realize that I had achieved a state of a quiet mind until one day the monkey mind popped back up. Have you had that happen? And then, oh my gosh. I used to be like this 24-7. How did I do it? Right? And I was aware that I had reached this place where most of the time I had a quiet mind. And I have to tell you, for me, that is one of the greatest gifts of spiritual practice is being able to have a quiet mind. To just be, ah, you know, that Zen thing we're talking about. To just be quiet for a moment. Michael says that you can shift your inner state, that we can learn to shift our inner state. The mind must be free from being held down by personal problems, by thinking about all those things outside of ourself. And he says we do this by raising our mind to a higher vibration, by letting go of the stuff of the world, by noticing, by noticing. When we have released our dangerous mind, we have freed up the energy to rise up and feed our natural state. When your energy is blocked, it cannot come up and feed your heart. Therefore, your heart becomes weak. When your heart is weak, it becomes susceptible to lower vibrations. 
And one of the lowest vibrations is fear. He goes into that in some detail in the book, if you want to read a little bit more about that whole idea of fear, you know, and being such a low vibration. And he talks about raising that, raising that vibration until it reaches our heart and living from this place of heart-centeredness, which he equates with the beautiful mind. You know, that we're in this place where our heart is open, where we get to that place in life where we have nothing to protect or nothing to defend. That we're just a transparency, that we're okay. We're okay with all the whirling whirlies that are going on on the outside. They don't affect us. We're in that place, we're centered, we're at peace. We observe, remember a few weeks ago we talked about that witness self? We're witness, we're witness to that. We're watching, we're watching. Michael goes on to talk about, you know, that witness isn't, uh, that witness is who we are. You know, the thoughts that are thinking are really not who we are. It's when we plant, sit in that place of the seat of consciousness. That's our true self. The little thoughts that are flying around are not really us. If they were us, we wouldn't be hearing them, would they? Would we? Um, when your energy is blocked, Oh, I just, I told you that one already. Here's one. Um, we all have had the experience of having our mind being hijacked. That's true for me. Have you ever had that experience where you're talking to somebody and you're having a conversation and all of a sudden something within you shifts and you're no longer present? It's like you're almost having an out-of-body experience and your mind is thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking and all of a sudden you're taken back to some childhood thing that you're not even there. You have no idea what the person is saying to you, right? That is what I call your mind being hijacked. It's like that dangerous mind has come and taken you and you're no longer present. You're no longer able to be there no matter how hard you try. You can't get back, right, in that moment anyway. And then we, you know, to, to, to be aware of that. He talks about being aware of that. Being aware of that uh, when it happens to you. Uh, there was two gentlemen, and they were arguing about a flag blowing in the wind. And one of the men said, oh, it's the flag that's moving. And the other man said, oh, it's not the flag that's moving, it's the wind that's moving. Right, and the master was walking by at that time, and he walked by, and he said, Truthfully, neither one of those are moving. It's the mind that moves. It's the mind that moves. You know, and that's what I want us to remember. It is our mind that shifted, and we can shift that. We can shift that from being that place of dangerous or that personal mind to this place of being the beautiful mind, which is a gift. We can do that. This is the trick. You only have to be willing to open your heart in the face of anything and everything and permit that beautification, that purification process to take place. Simple but not easy, right? In a moment when it might be scary that we stand there with an open heart, right, and allow it to just move through us, allow it to be in us, this is the beginning and end of the entire path. You surrender yourself to the process of emptying yourself. Right? 
in The Untethered Soul, there's a whole chapter on this. Michael calls it removing the thorn. And I think that's such a great analogy. And he talks about it in the Super Soul Sunday, too, with Oprah. He says, imagine you have a thorn, and you have a thorn in your body, and somebody touches it. It sends pain through you, right? And whenever you brush up against something or you hit that thorn against something, it's painful. He says those wounded places within us are just like those thorns. When somebody touches it, we're triggered, right? We call it being triggered in our society. And all of a sudden, we're no longer present in the moment. We're back to whatever that wound was about. So our job, Michael says, is to remove the thorns is to remove the thorns. And when someone rubs up against us, nothing hurts. When somebody touches that place, it's okay because we've removed the thorns. We surrender in the moment. We notice someone has touched a thorn. We let go instead of protecting. We say thank you. Spiritual purification. In the moment... You know, that's one of the things that he says that we do not do is it's in the moment of the wounding that we must, or the moment of the triggering, the moment of the thorn being touched, that we stop and we allow it to move through us. He says it is much easier to do in the moment than try to go back and do it later on. And the more that we're willing to just let that go, thank you, bless you, thank you, bless you, to be in that place of love, to keep our heart open, to not shut down, to stay in the place of expansion, not contraction, that we're able to empty ourselves. This emptying that he's talking about, we're able to release all the old stuff. Huh. One more Zen story. There's a Zen master, and uh, he lived a very, very simple life in a hut at the base of a mountain far from the town. And one day, uh, somebody came to his hut to rob him. And he was out, and when he returned back, he saw the prowler there, and the prowler realized there was nothing to steal. And the Zen master felt bad for him, and he said, here, take my clothes. You've come a long way. Well, the thief was shocked and took the clothes and sulked away. And the Zen master sat naked under this full moon. And he said, oh, how beautiful this moon is. I wish I could have given him the moon. Right? To be in that place of pure love, that be in that place of being not attached to things, to stuff, to the outside world, to be in our heart space. We will arrive at that place where we are free, where our mind is free, where we're no longer controlled or, uh, by anything outside of us. The Gita says, when thoughts have passed from thinking, that place when thoughts have passed from thinking. That place of wholeness, you know, we're talking about wholehearted living. That place of wholeness, that place of integration. Michael Singer says that is the place of integrity, where all of our parts have become one, when we're no longer segmented, where we're just one. We're just one human being, you know, being in this world. He says, we wake up each morning in love. We love life. There's no obstacles. The, he says, you just wave your arm in front of your heart, and you're filled with love, and you're loving your life, and you wake up, and you can't wait to get out of bed because you're just loving your life. And problems aren't problems. They're really fun things to go out and fix, he says, right? Because it's just stuff. You're not attached to it in any way. 
The love is free to move through us because we have removed the blocks. We have let go of protecting and defending our wounds, right? We have come to the place that we know that our mind is our greatest gift. Our greatest gift. God bless you. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you. Thank you. Blessings. Got to invite Kiki back up to sing us another song.